Hi, I am Mark Fields, and this is the Kinship Collective. We are ending otherness, growing our solidarity by celebrating our stories and reimagining scripture together, reminding us all that we are family. This week, I talk with David Lee. He's the chairman and CEO of the Hingwa Lee Group, named after his father. He talks about how integrating his faith with his industry-leading businesses has created his pathway to experiencing blessing. To be honest, it was a lovely conversation. You could feel his disposition, uh, humility, kindness, kind of warmth, but also strategic thinking. He shared how he became the most popular Ferrari collector in the world and how that happened on the shoulders of generations of hard work, perseverance and integrity. Here's our conversation. I want to get into your story. You have an incredible story. You immigrated to the United States, your father um, as a jade kind of cutter. I would imagine an artist, maybe how he was able to help the Smithsonian with that pathway towards citizenship and just that journey of what that meant in the 60s when there was a lot of, um, I would imagine, retaliation towards Asians. And a lot of times Asians felt like people would pinpoint their frustration uh, at Asian success sometimes and they'd measure themselves against that. So there's a lot of we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, you come from that story of hard work, um, resilience, and you've become this faithful husband, a faithful father, a present father, um, a man who follows Jesus, a faith-filled man and a faithful man. And when I think of you, I think of integrity. And as I've had the, it felt like a joy to research your story. I keep coming to integrity and meekness. And I've looked at these videos and watching you share some of your your story and some of the things that you enjoy the Ducati the Ferraris and but I see this humility and meekness and whenever I think of meekness it's just that that bridled strength it's healthy strength you don't have it's not based in this unhealed place trying to prove yourself to the world it's not self-deprecating and the false humility of like I know I really love these things but I shouldn't have them you're just kind of centered. And so I appreciate that. We're going to get into that in just a second. I want to know about the one of five prototype. Uh, what is it? Is it 288? 288 GTO Evolution. Yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah, that, that was a special find. Uh, matter of fact, uh, how did that come about? Um, well, I, you know, the, the backstory obviously is in, in, the, um, in, the, in the early 80s. Uh, the racing uh, in, 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 in the circuit of uh, Europe, uh, this thing called Class B. And they were pushing the El Mulot on kind of uh, GT cars, but, you know, boosting it up to really, um, uh, you know, really powerful and light cars. So everybody was making prototypes. And Ferrari made five prototypes uh, from this uh, 288 GTO, which was their first supercar, which I have. Uh, but they they were pumping up the 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 the, the engine to 550 uh, 450 horsepower 550 horsepower 650 mine was 650 horsepower so that's the five had different engines Whoa. but it was the car was like you know 1500 pounds you know all kevlar and everything and so it was meant for racing now uh they made those cars for this class b um racing which was way too dangerous people were getting killed you know every time on the track so the organization banned it now so what did they do with this car you know this, this these prototypes that everybody kind of had every company had it so happened because they made the technology of this car it evolved into Ferrari making the f40 okay f40 was a, a very iconic car for any car lover the f40 was the one it was the 40-year anniversary it was mm -hmm. the first car it was the last car that Enzo Ferrari himself uh, fully you know, supervised before he passed away, fully supervised. He wanted to make wow. a race car for the street. It was the first car production race uh, production car that go 200, first one to go 200 miles per hour, to break the 200 miles per hour barrier, which was, I guess everybody was trying to do a V8 twin turbo. And it was a monster of a car, but F40 is still that, that iconic car that everybody uh, has on the poster and wants. But 
without this prototype that they made, this one of five, this five cars, they didn't, they wouldn't have the technology to evolve into that 40, which I have as well. So I guess that F288 GTO is uh, very important, very significant uh, because uh, it showed the evolution to the 288, which was a great car, 288 GTO, but then it showed this prototype car and it birthed into this F40, which is just you know just crazy in the in the automotive scene in the world, um, and and so uh, it was it was the link in between. So that was a a, a car that I was able to um, acquire from a uh, a private collector directly, and I had that car, and uh, it was it's a it's a race car. It's amazing, you know. It just sounds great, and it's so so rare, so special. So a lot of people ask about, hey, you know. That car is so rare, um, and and uh, you know, I'll tell you one other little story about that. When I was visiting Ferrari factory in Maranello in uh, in Italy, uh, I got to go in there, and they gave me the red uh, carpet treatment. And they at that time they they said, "Hey, you know, you want to drive the La Ferrari, which is the newest uh, hypercar, which I have also uh, on the Ferrano track, which is their." test track in Ferrari factory. Oh, and he man. said, uh, and, and, and he said to, to accompany you, we'll have Dario, which is our uh, official and long-term, like I don't know, for the last 35 years, guy that test drives every car that they produce in the track first before it goes out to other people track. So Dario, you know, so I was sitting next to Dario as we we're going through raps, uh, laps on the La Ferrari. I said, you know what, Dario, uh, I have this car. I wonder if you, if you know about it because, you know, you drive all the cars. It's a 280 uh, 288 GTO Evolution. Do you remember that? He goes, "Oh, I remember. I remember driving that car and taking to the track and 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 seeing how it was really powerful car. That's a really a uh, special car and stuff. And so, the, you know, so he he this guy remembers driving this car, my car, in the factory when at that time, you know, during the uh, I see it was 1987. So during that time. And, and testing it and, and how it always how powerful it was and how and then evolving to apple i don't know i just i just like the connection and that there's somebody in time that in another time that had touched a car that had can tell me about that car and and how it was back then it just it was it was just very nostalgic to me i really enjoyed that that's incredible in my introduction i didn't even say i mean you're you're dave the ferrari collector i mean <laughs> i didn't even say that's that my, that's I, what i'm my hobby <laughs> yeah yeah Talk, yeah, yeah. How did how did you get into Ferrari collecting? And then like, where do you rank in the world's Ferrari collectors? Are right. you like, yeah, go ahead. Well, well I think uh, first of all, I think I think people, uh, and I've been noticing this too because a lot of, you know, we see a lot of examples. I think people have a natural tendency to uh, uh, to love cars. I mean, certain people if they're destined to have that. I know I was, uh, and uh, but you know at those times you know you wait for magazines and you until you're old enough maybe like you're getting 14, 15, you're starting to be into cars. Because at 16 you can get a driver license, you start looking at the oh, what kind of cars and, and dreaming about it. And matter of fact, the 288 GTO was my dream car. Uh, that was one that I saw. Oh wow, I would love that. That's amazing. Looks beautiful. It's amazing Ferrari. You know, I never thought I would be able to own it. Uh, and obviously, also on my on my wall was the Lamborghini Countach, you know, the, the, the five foot uh, poster that we had up there. That was also my dream car. And, but what I, but, but, but so I love cars all along. And, and, and even as an adult, when I could afford it, I would always have my special car, one car in the weekend for the weekend to drive. I would have my daily driver, right? So I've always loved that car. And I, and I, I've had um, uh, a Ferrari, a pre, a pre owned one, because uh, they're much less money. Uh, uh, ever ever since I was 30, I would have one. You know, I would change it up to the rest. So I, ever since I was 30. Uh, and, um, you know, so, so because uh, now I'm, I'm 55, but um, the, the uh, but I didn't really get into the whole serious Ferrari collecting as a, as something that the Lord, just kind of put in my life to 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 it was an accident i mean it was i just like cars but i didn't but about about i guess about 10 years ago i started collecting so that's not early i mean it's a lot of a lot of guys that you see out there have a, a really nice collection been collecting for 30 years or something so uh i certainly hasn't been a long time collector it's a good amount of time a decade over over a decade 
but uh, so I didn't certainly buy the things at the cheapest. Some people bought it really cheap, you know, like they got it to be in the in the uh, in the sixties for like I don't know fifteen twenty thousand now it's worth four million dollars. I mean, it's certainly that's not the story for for me. Mine did go up a lot, but not not that much. Um, but I would say uh, there's a lot of people with some serious collecting uh, collections and collecting for so many years, seriously valuable cars, uh, more than me. Uh, mine is quite respectable, but I think mine is is in a way happened to be um, because I had a strategy and how I collect. I just don't, you know, a lot of people collect what they like and or all mm-hmm. over the place. Mm-hmm. When I do things, whether it's business or whatever, I, I just have a strategy. I have a strategy, I have a theme, I have a story. So I collect, mm-hmm. um, so the, in, in my collection, which is around 30 Ferraris, uh, it, it, from the 60s to the present, every kind of iconic one from the 60s to 70, so that I have a story. Um, it, it, and plus, I guess, with social media that I accidentally kind of got on, you know, Instagram and stuff, <laughs> uh, it, it, it just kind of propelled me. And then, and then people, and they, it's like anything, it's a, you know, then Jay, you know, when they researched it, when first time when I did Jay Leno, the first time they researched it, they, they kind of, mine came up, you know, cause I was doing social media. And so they invited me to the show that also adds more eyeballs. You know, I've been on the show eight times now. And then the other, the other people that do really nice videos and, and then Ferrari giving me a plug sometimes and the different articles and things like that, that all compound. I would say probably I'm the most recognized uh, Ferrari collector in the world. Uh, if you put Ferrari collector, most likely I'm on the first page, first couple pages and stuff. I mean, you know, just because of the social media and the, the, the media that's been done and, the, and, the, and, and uh, you know, and how you know a lot of people are private too about their collection they want to show anything you know very open i have youtube instagram and facebook and stuff so 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 i'm out there but but people really respect and understand my collection if they're if they're in love with ferrari they understand mm-hmm. what i'm doing and they really um they really get it and they like it so i guess mm-hmm. that's that's what it is i i, I love that i i appreciate for me when i look at your videos when i watch um, you share, I, I, I really appreciate, it feels like your posture. And I, I, I try to mention this cause I feel like it is one of the, the biggest feelings or sentiments I get about you when I'm watching your videos and you're sharing this incredible automobile with an incredible timepiece, which is another passion of yours and it's the family business. And I would imagine you understand the craftsmanship and the art behind the luxury watches. And I love you always say luxury. It doesn't mean it's going to be the most expensive thing, but it also is going to be a luxury thing. Um, But when I see you sharing your Ferraris, when I see you sharing your Ducatis and um, the, the, the vehicles and the watches, it's not coming off as, showy it's not coming off as something that you you have to i don't know it just doesn't give me that sense of like yo this what is this guy doing this guy's you know i don't even know it doesn't create envy in me or anything like that and i think that's about who you are and your posture in the world i I, how did you become that way that kind of humility is that a trait that you inherited from your parents is that something that you adapted to your story share share a little bit about that you know, it's it, it's it's really been a journey. Um, it's a journey of uh, well, first, you know, it's a, it's it's it was taught also from my father. You know, uh, that you should be humble. Um, you know, don't 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 brag because you know, uh, you're, you're if you brag, you just you're, you're embarrassing yourself because there's always uh, one mountain is bigger than another mountain. There's mm. always somebody better, and 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 so if you brag, you know, that somebody else is is. You know, you're not that because somebody's always better. But mm-hmm. even from a humanistic view, from where he learned that 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 what that was how he taught us. But also in my journey, I guess uh, in in understanding all all these good things, all these things are from the Lord. It's not from necessary. I mean, I, I helped. I, I you know I was the tool to be used, but it was it's from the Lord. I you know, and and I've seen so many examples of people. You can work just as hard. You can do you know, you can be very smart and the Lord doesn't bless it. I mean, I, I just see there are so many examples 
so why did he choose me? Why am I the one that he had blessed uh, mm-hmm. materialize? You know, so so because I, I understand that and I believe that that also gives me a sense of, uh, you know, what's there to to be brag, bragging about. But also, and, and and you mentioned I talk about these things, and and certainly people could could take it wrong to think I'm trying to show off. And a lot of people on social media do show off. I mean, that's the point of what they're trying to do is to show off. Uh, I, I've gotten to a place. I guess in time to be comfortable with who I am and and what it is and and I'm I don't claim to be the best but this is what I've achieved this is what I've done and and, um, and what the Lord has blessed me and uh, I hold all these things very lightly I don't you know I like them but I don't you know they're not my idols I don't worship them uh, they're just fun things that the Lord allowed me to put in my life to to use, um, uh, to, to enjoy. And so I enjoy the watches, enjoy the cars. Like I said, the cars thing, this all, uh, came into fruition like 10, 10 years ago. Uh, it was, it made sense because it was an investment. It made sense as an investment. It made sense as something that I really got my enjoyment from. And I think it also <clears throat> now put me in a platform where I can perhaps share this with people and even use it to, to be in a positive way to influence people. Um, so, so it, it's, I just feel very comfortable with that. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's just part of my life. And, and, and so if you, if you, you know, look into and you follow my, 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 my stories and my social media, you can see that that's, I'm not, certainly it's nothing to, that I'm trying to boast about. It's just stuff that, that, that I, uh, I have. And I, I, I like to tell my feelings on what that is. What would mm-hmm. I feel about it? Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, David. I think when I think about your story and your countenance and your posture, your demeanor, how you carry yourself, that sense of humility, um, it's almost, I, I'm, I'm learning you to be, you know, the, the strategic, the mindset, like the, there's logic and there's reason, you know? And so for you, you know, it's not just, I'm not just collecting these toys, although they're, they are, it's a passion. They're also investments and there's, there's, they will appreciate in value. I'm not wasting money. And I, I think I appreciate that. I'm imagining from what I, you know, I know your, your story to come here from Hong Kong in the sixties to a father who it's interesting. It's funny. I, I want to be honorable and I want to tell the truth. My father is similar to your father. My father grew up in on a, on a plantation in Louisiana. He started working when he was eight or nine. His mom worked out a deal with somebody in a cotton mill. Um, and so the only kind of education my father got was he broke his arm in the mill. One of the machines flung him he broke his arm, so he learned to like read and write a little bit while his arm was broken. Then he went right back to work. And you know, he, his father wasn't around. It just created um, a mentality for him. He was a hustler. He was a grinder. And he, he you know, needed to make money at all costs. He was willing to kind of do whatever it took to do that. And that's kind of, that's my father your father i understand coming from a similar back can you share a little bit about the background of your father and what that meant in your life i like to share i do like to share because um his example and what he taught me what he gone through it did impact my life in a in a in a a tremendous way so i want to share with you a little bit and and it's so interesting how you know like i said i'm very nostalgic of how, how how things work you know my great grandfather I found that actually my great grandfather came to California to do business during the gold rush. Uh, he wasn't uh, so much, I don't know if he was doing some real world working and then he came and started kind of doing his, but he, he did come and do that. He had uh, made some money, he sent back home. And so that my gr- grandfather had somewhat of an education. Uh, and uh, so my great grandfather never came back or never brought my grandfather over. If he did, that would have been, that would have made me fourth generation in California, which is, you hear that about some people, you know, but that didn't happen for us. Anyways, he got some education. He ended up growing up and being the village leader, because you're the village leader, 
from South China. We we're from Toisan, and 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 in one of the village, she was the leader. So because you're educated, so you 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 get, I guess, nominated to be the the head of the village. So he was that. Now, when the Cultural Revolution came, right when the when the dynasty kind of got taken over by the Communist Party and the Cultural Revolution, and they had to start to reprogram everybody. Uh, certainly, landowners, people that had money, people that had education, they burn all the books, you know. And obviously, if you're kind of in the dynasty situation, serving, you gotta, they want to change that, change you too. They want to brainwash you to the new way, which is communism thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took my, um, you know, uh, my grandfather to a concentration camp, which eventually died because it was so cold, and you know they didn't have good care, or that he died. What does that mean? That means that my father and his five siblings and grandmother were instantly had nobody to provide for them. You know, they had no 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 provider. Certainly, their suddenly their status went down in the in the in the village because people were very real about that. They start to try to make money, be a farmer. They they had they know nothing about farming. That didn't go well for them. Uh, they went to one day's walk to the to the nearest big city to buy produce, bring it back to sell you know, uh, to the local village people. And uh, they were very poor. I know they were starving many nights and uh, and stuff. And um, my dad, uh, so they, they said, you know what, if we kept going this route, um, they're gonna starve to death, we're gonna die. So they devised in a way to escape China to find work, you know, and, and, and they heard there was work in Hong Kong. So my, my, my uncle was 15, my father was 13, decided to go on this thing where they became the, the, the idea from, and there's many people at that time was escaping Hong, uh, uh, China to go to Hong Kong or wherever uh, to work. Um, there was many ways, but the way that that, that was done from where my, my dad was uh, living was to be a stowaway in, under a hole of a stowaway boat, a supply boat going to Macau. And maybe at, you know, you, you bribe the people so that you can get on there and you, and, and at, at a certain point that is in, on the ocean, on the uh, Indian Ocean, closest to the point to Hong Kong, people would jump off and swim to shore and, and just try to you know uh, get in that. Now, my father was telling me that the issue was this, there would be like maybe 30 people you know, or 20, 30 people jump off. They all try to swim. They had uh, volleyballs as flotation device, you know, kind of two volleyballs in the net and then they would, that's the flotation. They would try to swim. And they said maybe half the people wouldn't make it because first the, the waves and the currents were too big. You know, they just, from exhaustion, they couldn't make it. It was too cold, the hypothermia would, would get them. And if that didn't get them, the shark attack, there were a lot of sharks would attack and, 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 and eat the people, you know, and, and they would die. You pass all that and you get close to Hong Kong, there's the Coast Guard. They catch you, they, they you know, they beat you to death. If, if, if you're still alive, they'll bring you back to China, but they'll beat you to death. So the, the people that actually make it on shore and get into Hong Kong was very slim of a, of a chance, a very small number from the gun. Obviously, my, my uncle and my dad did get to Hong Kong. My, uh, and, and you have no skills. You don't know anything. My father didn't have an education again. Um, so it turned out he, you know, in those days to, to get a job, you're apprentice for a master. So, so uh, and you get pennies, but, but you get some, some money. So my uh, uncle became a, a, a apprentice for suit making, a, 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 pers- a master, and my father became an apprentice for gemstone carving, a master. Uh, and so again, he worked, he learned the craft. Uh, he, whatever money he got, he sent home. He didn't spend it on himself. He, he spent it. It was re- really to find work and to, to help the family to survive. And that that action was then throughout my my father's life an example of what he did for uh, the family. And eventually, you know, when we came to America and slowly we brought my grandmother, my uncle, my aunts, we brought them all over, I mean, to, to America. So now they're here, but all along they were, he was supporting them. He, he, he was the one able to, and he was supporting. Um, my uncle wasn't able to do that. It didn't work out the same for him. So he didn't do so much that, but my father did. And uh, anyways, everybody took, um, Everybody kind of graduated in three years, wanted to start their own gig. My dad stayed on to five years until he was 18 to graduate before coming out and starting his own factory. And I guess so for our family, 1965 was the year 
our company was founded, my family business. It was a sandwich jade workshop. It was a jade cutting, gemstone cutting, sculpture manufacturing uh, in Hong Kong. That's where I met my mom in night school uh, for learning English. Got married around that time, and I was soon I was born. Um, and so and so that you know, for him that that process was a was a tough journey getting you know from poverty and risking life coming in and finding career making a living starting a family i mean it was it, it's it's pretty incredible you know uh for his story and, I, and and in that lesson i learned a lot you know working hard perseverance not giving up you know you know taking your care of your family first you know um but but he didn't have it easy. He was it wasn't a lush lifestyle. I mean, he learned from really uh, secular, uh, sinful people on the earth and on in the world. Uh, he he wasn't. You know, he mentioned he was naive in the beginning, but he learned not to be because of the example of so many people how they tricked him. Mm. Believe in somebody, they took advantage, tricked him. Learn to be cynical. Learn to be not trusting. Learn not to have friends in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was how he was. The street taught him to be, you know, and uh, and uh, it's so unfortunate. Um, and uh, so, like my kids have it so much better. I had it much better, and then my kids have it so much better. So, you know, uh, and you know, of course, you know Ryan uh, personally, and uh, but they didn't have to grow up in those kind of harsh environment. Um, so, uh, you know that that's. You know, that's how in the beginning, how he started coming from that environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that he did take that step or else we wouldn't be where we are today. Oh, man. I, I, I have some responses, but am I sensing that? Are you getting nostalgic or appreciative towards your father as you kind of share that story? Um, I always do. I always do. You know, he's he's not the perfect man. Uh, he did a lot of things wrong. And and I'm glad at the end he also became a Christian, but uh, and I didn't think he he would because he was a, a person that in his whole life nobody gave him anything. He had to build everything. He had to figure out, and and not, not to mention he came to a country that wasn't even his. You know, like you're you're a fish out of water. You're in America. He became immigrated in the mid '70s uh, because we believed that there was people for the product he made. And and all of us were fish out of water. All of us was trying to make it in this new world that we're not familiar with. You know that is not uh, really our home. And um, to be able to uh, to do that, um, and he felt like he nobody helped him. He built everything on himself. I can see that why he only can trust himself. He only feels if he, if he doesn't do it. Nobody's going to do it. And it's all on his shoulder. Uh, you know, I, I, for him to have that, again, that heart, that mentality, the working hard, that perseverance and integrity, uh, he always had in, integrity in his business and, and stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I do feel uh, he was my mentor. And I do feel in those good aspects that I took from him, it was, um, yeah, it's very endearing. I, I, I miss him very much. And I, I I'm, you know, uh, I'm proud of the things he did to, you know, that was for mm-hmm. his family. Mm-hmm. David, when I hear you share about that, you opened up by sharing a lot of people work hard. They don't end up where I've ended up. You're standing on the shoulders of your great grandfather who came to the gold rush, who sent money back to your grandfather, who got to got educated and put in a position. You shared this beautiful story that, it's beautiful to me where you are now. It's a hard, real story. And a lot of immigrants, whether you're coming from Asian countries, South American countries, African countries, Europe, that immigration story and that story of how your family ends up in America is really meaningful. And I've never heard the easy version of that. It's, it's a hard journey to make. But for me, what stands out about how you tell that story is you, sh- you started again by saying, a lot of people work hard. Not everybody ends up where I am. And your father had this mentality, right? That it, it's reminding me of uh, the Chick-fil-A founder. I can't think of his name right now. 
he came to my college and shared one day and he mm. said, every day I get on my knees and I pray like everything's up to God. Then I get off my knees and I act like everything's up to me. And there's, there's a little bit of dissonance in that for me, because if it's truly up to me, if it's truly up to God, then yes, I have my actions to play to influence that because some of the stuff is in my hand to do. Um, but so that doesn't resonate fully in me, but I want to know for you, how do you balance that? You talked about providence and God's will for you and buying 15,000 square feet in San Gabriel and holding on to that and making it, you know, the, the, the largest kind of jewelry watch retailer on in North America. Like, how do you balance both of those truths? that you have responsibility and that God is at work in your life? Well, I think it's amazing how God, uh, you know, he gives us all gifts. Okay. And, and I think we need, you know, early on, we need to have discovered what are those gifts for each person? Um, you know, my, my son and my daughter, you know, they're in the university right now. So they're, they're at this point of discovering what their gift. I, I really see, you know, my son telling me, Oh, you know, dad, I'm, I'm good at this and, or I'm good at that and, and stuff, you know, that is a time where you really discover kind of the gifts. And, and, you know, I think uh, the Lord, you know, we, we, we have to have an understanding, at least I have an understanding that we don't just sit here and just wait for the Lord to give me whatever, whatever. He, he doesn't do that. He, you have to use your gifts. Hmm. You have to uh, work your heart as your best. And, um, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and see where the Lord wants to, reveal in, in you now you know uh material things are not something that the lord necessarily has to give you he has his sovereignty his wisdom his plan and and so forth but um you know so 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 uh but he does want you to use your skill if you don't use your skills you don't use the gifts that god given you you never know if god has that in store for you now when I when I speak to business um, at USC for the entrepreneurs uh, classes, um, you know every every semester, a lot of kids would students would ask me, "Hey David, what, what's the road to success? What what's your formula?" Mm. And I, I I do have a formula that I come up, but it really uh, it, I'll share it and I'll relate why why that how that's really related to the Lord. I said, okay, first there's a three pillar of worth ethics. I said you got to work uh, hard. And, and there's a whole, you know, definition. When I when I first started, I was working seven days a week, and um, you know, mornings to night, I was the first one there, last one to end. I was wearing all the hats and everything. But you know, I started my business. But uh, a lot a lot of people understand working hard differently. I think uh, nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. Then there's perseverance. You know, the, uh, there's so many uh, uh, examples of perseverance and getting knocked down and, and coming back up and just keep coming back up and even the story of Rolex, how I got the dealership, which changed our business so much. That was a big example of perseverance. And, and usually the professors ask me about that every time so I can share with the students. Then there's the integrity part. You know, integrity is so important. Like I said, mm -hmm. it's it's your, it's really your, your, your resume. And now with social media, everybody knows if you do something, it's on the record and anybody mm -hmm. can know anything about you. But that, that integrity, having a good integrity is gold that i can't mention so much that or that that right there that your name card or your reputation it stays with you and if you keep that good it will it will just um return back to you in multiple folds now those are the things that you can control those are the things that you can say i want to do these things okay what you cannot control is uh the opportunity uh that that is revealed and the timing okay the timing that is so I, I look at these five things if if they all come together and sometimes you got to wait for it you know maybe like you're doing these three things you maybe have an opportunity timing's not right or maybe your your the, the opportunity and the timing is there but it's because of, you're not abiding by these ethics it doesn't really go well for you it doesn't really come together for you Whoa. it all's got to it's all got to come together in line to be the perfect timing and, and and again some things you can control some things you can't in order for you to if, and if that does and if you take on take it on you go for it i believe it will uh produce some kind of uh, uh success 
Uh, I'm not saying, oh, you're going to be a billionaire necessary, but some kind of success. I guarantee it will be some kind of success if that happened. Now, but like those opportunities and those timing, where's that coming from? You know, a lot mm. of people say it's luck. You know, when they say they, they, they put it as luck, because, but where's that? I don't believe that luck, there's luck. Okay. Um, everything is orchestrated by the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so again, the three things that you, you do, that's on you, on you, you can do, but, but the opportunity and what that is and what that's realized or, or, and then the timing that's from the Lord, you know, that's basically from the Lord. And mm. so, so if the, the Lord puts that in your life and, and, and again, you're, you have those three ethics and you go, you go for it. I believe good things will happen. And I think that that's certainly what happened with my story. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do you, do you have metrics for, um, do you have metrics for how to evaluate timing or how to evaluate opportunity? Or are those just things that you, you're aware of, like you can smell it? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just like, for example, for me, I just give my personal example. There's so many examples. Uh, I, I, I suggest, you know, I always suggest people to, you know, work at a company that they have interest in and, and so forth. And when you're working, you know, uh, 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 embrace those qualities that I mentioned, uh, be promoted and have, get the trust of the, the company and the clients and look for opportunity. Look for what that company maybe is not serving. Look for what that company is maybe too small for them, but not, not small for you and, and see if that is what's for you. Know who are some of the staff uh, co-worker that are good that maybe you can bring them along on your on your, on your journey uh, if you wanted to to do this. Now, I talk to entrepreneur students because that's that's a, an easy way to really safe way to evaluate to learn mistakes and to to see what the opportunity is. For for me, okay, you know, um, I'll, I'll I'll talk about my you know the car collecting situation. Over ten years ago, I was um, the first collectible car was the Enzo that I got uh, from Florida. And at that time, I, I, I got that car and I got the, the Porsche Carrera GT. I got the Lamborghini Diablo 6. So I had so-called the, the, the best cars from each manufacturer that I thought I liked, you know, and that, that, that was iconic. So that I was very happy with that. I, I had that for a few years and, and so forth. And then one day, one night, I was at my friend's Christmas party and, and he was showing me this, uh, something new he got. He was a car guy too. And he got this uh, a Jaguar convertible uh, a vintage Jaguar convertible. Need a lot of work, but he said, hey, you know, this is what I got. I'm really excited. I looked at it and I said, wow, you know, I never was into the classic cars before, but that looks pretty cool. And maybe because now I'm older and where I live, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So by the end of the night, I decided I'm going to get a, a vintage car too, but I said, I'm going to get a Ferrari. So I started doing the next day, starting doing the research and, and, and getting into it. And, and from seeing it, from getting into it, I realized something. I realized wow, uh, these things go up in value. They, they've, they've, they've had a track record of 30 years. They go up in value, maybe like 15% every year. They go up in value. It's, 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 it's looked at like art because it's beautiful to look at. I mean, the, especially the vintage, the styling and everything. Uh, it's like art to me. And then you can actually get into it and drive it and, and be engaged to it and have fun. It's there's an acceleration. You can have fun. You can be engaged with it. I said, what's better than that, you know? So I, you know, I eventually I, I I collected my first one, which is a 1965, uh, uh, um, was a two two seventy five GTS convertible. But through that experience, I saw other cars that were that were, you know, uh, you know maybe right price and I liked and everything. So I started collecting that too, and started collecting and 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 it became my um, part of my uh, a collection uh, investment. And at that time. Uh, because, like I mentioned, uh, there was the subprime, and people were 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 kind of not uh, didn't have confidence in real estate, uh, maybe in the market, but certainly in something that's commodity and, and and physical and so forth. So they art was something that people put money in, collected, and invested a lot in. But so was classic cars. So, anyways, the whole car uh, the car industry shored up, and um, and, and, and all the cars, all my cars that I bought, and I would have bought them even if they didn't go up that much, all double to triple in value. And these cars were expensive. I mean, they're not like cheap cars. I mean, they're everyone, they're like over millions of dollars. Yeah. So it's like property, but it's gone up in value. Now, 
in, in looking at that story, yes, first I, uh, I would say I recognize the opportunity. Okay, because I saw that, oh, this is great. It goes up in value. You can have, uh, uh, you can drive it and you can, it's great to look at. What I couldn't control was timing. I had no idea that that's going to, you know, the value is going to shoot up that much. But the timing was there because, again, the real estate wasn't, had, had the issues and, 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 and it was the right time for people to, that, that want to believe in collectible, uh, uh, um, collect, collectible in investments. Um, there was others, but for me, it was cars. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and so, I mean, I guess in my, in my pursuit of getting it, you know, I already had a theme, what kind of, I would collect, I wouldn't just collect all over the place. I already had a, a theme, you know, and, um, and a strategy, and I guess when I do things. So, so, so that, that all came, that were all worked out for me. It was a, it was a great investment. It was a great, always a hobby and joy in my life. It gave me a platform for accidentally now with influence on the world. And uh, it's got me to enjoy all these new things, you know, that I, I didn't have before. And it's almost put me in a kind of a, a place in, the, in, in, in my life or in the world of what part of what I'm destined to be involved with, you know, mm-hmm. to find that, to discover that, you know, for myself. Um, it's, it's a good thing, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. But that, that's part, I guess, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but that's, yeah, what that's I'm hearing where the opportunity, is, I think, you know, coming back from you and your strategic mindset, but you were, it was like the timing you're reading the tea leaves, you're looking at real estate, you're watching the number trends and you made the best move that you understood in that moment, a move that was in line with your passions and your desires. And it made sense financially as an investment and it was in line with your passion. So I'm hearing like alignment, there was a lot of Mm -hmm. alignment happening. And and for me, overall, like the overall theme that I'm hearing from you is the alignment of the five that work really hard and persevere. Don't give up, maintain integrity because people keep the receipts. People will know, Uh, but then there's alignment between that. So alignment becomes the overall theme of those five core traits that you talked about, then the opportunity and the timing. So for me, when I think about alignment, or now I'm going to switch over to faith, and it feels like you've mentioned you know, the Lord and how you see God at work in your life. How does faith function for you? Because you've talked about your father as a man who saw everything coming from his hands everything I'm responsible for my family. I'm responsible for how all this works out. This feels interesting to ask the question because I came from a family of faith. And so it was almost disempowering. And so the the unique mixture of the environment that I grew up in without my father, without that example, and then in a faith environment that I interpreted to be like, God has all the control. So I just surrender and I tried to, I did the best I could. And I'm, I'm at 35 waking up to a new level of ownership and responsibility of my life, of my family, of finances and things like that, because it was a, I feel like, I don't want to say it was a a hole or, but the faith that I believed in was the faith that God gives it all. And I just keep praying or seeking God. So when I look at you, a man who's extraordinarily successful, you've had this journey. How does faith in your relationship with God balance? You just shared about like, look, I do all I can do. And then these other things I can't do, but I want to know how did it actually function for you? How does it function for you? Right. Well, you know, I, I, I guess it's a culmination of, first of all, I believe a Christian is uh, uh, seven days a week, 24 seven Christian. A lot, of, a lot of business people are like, well, okay, I'm a Christian maybe on Sunday and then and then the rest of the days I gotta I gotta operate like the secular world because or else I'd be taken advantage or I, I would have a, um, a, a, a disadvantage, right? I don't believe that. I think you know you're you're totally through your you're a Christian seven days a week and 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 so forth. So if you have that mentality, um, you know, I 
I, I integrate a lot of the Lord in my life. I've learned to do that. I wasn't always that that, but it's, it, and it's a journey, and I'm still learning. But you know, uh, I do, and from my father, I see you got you have you can't just sit there and wait for things to come. I, I don't. I just don't believe that that works. And I guess I've seen a lot of examples. Also, I see a lot of examples people I know, friends. You can't. The fact that I do know is you just can't sit there and suddenly things will come to you. Okay, so. So knowing that I, I I wouldn't do that uh, myself, I I would try to work as hard as I could, as smart as I could, and um, and it has perseverance as much as I could, and and also in a way that the that Jesus would would be would be would would see that that that's the correct way. I mean, even with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the example in the Bible where, where God had given the managers, you know, the various mm-hmm. amount to go invest and mm-hmm. he, he, you know, the guy that hit it, he didn't, you know, he didn't, within, uh, didn't have good results. He liked the mm-hmm. person that invested it and was smart about it. So he wants us to, to do that. Um, and, but how do you, you know, but, but integrating him. And I think for me, what was kind of important was I, for me, it was easy to see different opportunities easy to see things I want to do. I'm a doer and, and, and I don't like to just think about it. And, and uh, uh, I just, I want to see it through. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I get ahead of myself because I think um, what I'm doing is, is right. And it's a good decision. It makes sense. Like I mm-hmm. said, makes sense and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't sit, I don't sit still and say, wait a minute, let me ask the Lord what he thinks about that. Mm-hmm. Let me ask the Lord is, is that something he wants me to do? And, uh, and 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 if you do, if I do do it, then Lord, I want you to bless it, and and, and you know, don't make it uphill battle for me. Mm-hmm. In my in the past, I've seen things where I made my own decision. You know, it it, it wasn't disaster. It wasn't like I lose money on the venture, or whatever, uh, or I, you know, have broke even or lost a little money. But I didn't consult with the Lord on that. I just did it because I mm-hmm. think I should do it. I remember going now for, for a long time now, I, I said, you know, I'm not going to do that uh, unless uh, I ask the Lord and then he gives me the confirmation and, and said so and so far and so forth. And even as recent as I think last year, um, I had an opportunity to acquire another. So, I mean, so my, my, I, my one of my businesses is a, is, is a jewelry business, a retail jewelry business. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, since 19, I guess that's in line with the 1965 until present. So we're like uh, 56 years in business. Mm-hmm. I started the, the the retail division and brought in watches and everything like that. So anyways, um, you know, we, we, we've grown and, and, and I've grown the business since I've gone in after I graduated from USC Business School. I've grown it 60 times uh, from when I when I was first came in. Um, and and I guess, you know, sometimes the, the, in business, the, the thing you you say is, you know, you got to keep growing, get bigger. So there was an opportunity that that uh, a, a, another jewelry chain was being uh, offered that can be considered to be bought. That would add fourteen, I mean, thirteen stores uh, locations to um, to that to me three different in three different states. The numbers were good. Call the banks, you know, of course, they all the banks, the, the private equity, and those guys have a lot of money right now. They're totally supportive if we do it. So the finance wasn't a difficult thing. In the industry, it's like what people are doing, you know, they're 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 acquiring and getting bigger. So you would mm-hmm. think that that's what you want to do. I mean, that's the right thing to do. I was I was talking to my wife, which wasn't positive about it. I was talking to some of my uh, Christian mentors that were wasn't sure, you know, and and and, and just and I was talking to my my business. I'm in YPO and my business people, and they were saying like, "Why do you want to do it, David? You don't need it. Why 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 you want to put that headache on you and and so forth?" But it, I kind of want to do it. And I was struggling with what I want to do, and and I was like seeking the Lord. But then, Lord, don't you want me to do this? You know. Anyways, at the end, <clears throat> I I really I really took a lot of time in this process to think what the Lord wanted and, and, and prayed and spent a lot of time on it. Uh, and I was in, I was involved. I had 
my investment banker and their investment but we were in negotiation we had a price agreed and all this stuff spend money on it anyways the bottom line of it is at the end the lord didn't give me a uh a, a feeling a confirmation that i should do it mm-hmm. when everything looked right on paper okay mm-hmm. uh so i said okay okay i will i will i will i will i will, I will submit to what you are saying so i you know the deal was off the table it's fine i had a piece continue to do what i was doing and then COVID, of course hit you know and uh which 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 um that company didn't do so well you know mm. if, if i would have taken it in then i would be i would have brought on myself this just just why? Why do I need it? This Whoa. all this headaches and this financial problems and the mm-hmm. and, and 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 maybe more distress on my family and, and mm-hmm. everything. And you can imagine you have to travel right to see your stores and you can't really travel right now. Uh, yeah. People don't want to go out and buy stuff, you know. I mean, right now, you know. So, uh, and uh, it would have just been really uh, <laughs> a lot more hardship. And so now, and you, of course, you don't know that until you look back. Okay, mm-hmm. but in the in the storm, you're not you, you know you don't know. In the storm, you're fired up to do something, yeah. and that's why I, I'm saying. Um, you asked me how do I integrate that. I, I really consulted the Lord in my business business decision. In in before I do any major thing, I really consult the Lord, and I'm obedient to what the confirmation is, what I hear from Him. So I guess that's. That's how I operate. I mean, that's one example of a recent one too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, David and I, I, I just, I really appreciate that because what you, the way that you shared it, 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 it you, you embodied your integrity, your five values and alignment. The timing piece felt a little off. You're discerning with people. You've always shared your just admiration and respect for Kathy, your wife, and how, you know, she's communicated the strain that that might put on your relationship and your family. But I just, one of the things that stands out to me too is the confidence that because you have cultivated this practice of listening to God and following that, your gut and some of that, the awareness and the, the, the place you come to through prayer and through discernment and through the mentorship and stuff, and that then you can move forward in confidence. And then, so it gives you that confidence. And then at the end of the day, you can have peace. And even if that organization maybe would have gone through the roof, you would have still been okay. Like the man that I know in front of me, you would have been okay, but it didn't work out like that. And you realize you, you dodged a bullet. So I, I really appreciate that. They, I, I appreciate all this sharing. I'm going to, we're going to switch gears to get into scripture real quick. Um, because I want, I think it's always really helpful for, to get different eyes on scripture and to see what it, what does that look like through David's eyes? There's a businessman, Ferrari collector. I'm going to switch the scripture up that we talked about. Because one of the things that we've talked about is that the thing that came through is when we think about discerning, when we think about what's ours to do, we're going to go to Second Peter, I think. Um, Second Peter, let me find it. Second Peter 1, 3. Uh, in this opening, um, opening passage. Oh, my goodness. I think we're going to read 3 and 4. Let me read it and then we'll just talk through it for a couple minutes here. Uh, before you acquire some other huge business uh, next thing on your to-do list. Um, Let me read it here. Peter's words. Peter is this kind of passionate follower of Jesus. This letter is attributed to him. Uh, This is the rock, this kind of faith. You're given that label of being the rock. Um, The way that he follows Jesus is a way that leads to fruitfulness. This is the way that people will come together, love each other well. And so he's, this is his second letter he's writing. And then he talks about this um, divine power that's in us. And so when you talked about sometimes when we're waiting for God to do something, it feels like we're sitting there and we're, but Peter would say something different here. So this is what Peter says. Second Peter uh, chapter one, verses three and four says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him 
who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And that first line in there, I think, is, is super important. Some other versions say it, uh, all things pertaining to life and godliness, you already have them. They're already in you. God has granted them to us. How will you use them? How will you work hard? How will you persevere? Will your track record show congruence and truth and authenticity and integrity? Uh, David, what, what comes to your mind when you hear that, when you think about that? Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, obviously, uh, the Lord, when um, when Jesus died for us uh, mm. on the cross, you know, basically stripping the power of sin uh, away from us, giving us the ability to not be a slave and to to go to you know just be enslaved in, in, into the sin and and the in the ways of the fallen world. Uh, he's given us this ability to be able to to discern. And, and, and that's through the Holy Spirit I mean, to discern and to um, do the do 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 it in a way uh, that that God had designed us to want to want to do. Mm-hmm. We have that ability if we harness it, if we search for it, if we look deep for it, uh, and obviously we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to to understand. I mean, I I, I totally agree that. Um, that, that, that we have that a lot of people have that gift and ability in us do they do they really how hard are they looking for it um, you know um, because the Lord is very generous in offering that mm-hmm. you know uh, to all of us mm-hmm. and um, so I, 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 I believe so far so that's what that that's what I'm I'm reading in on that right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I, I um I think Peter being so close to Jesus and seeing Jesus the way that Jesus acted and operated with people, um, I think he saw back to what you said about God's generosity. Like he saw the the generosity. And I think that's a lot of times there's a lot of people who feel like their hands are tied and their hands aren't really tied, but they feel like their hands are tied. Uh, and I think Peter is speaking to that here of saying, your hands aren't tied. Everything that everything you need to be the husband you want to be, the father you want to be, the person, the mom you want to be, you have that in you. The divine godliness is it's in you because you're human, because you're made in the image of God. But then he goes on and talks about that we experience those great promises. We become partakers of that. Um, by following and trusting in that. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. It's really interesting. The thing that I feel like is interesting to me is how Peter became the one to say this because he was the one walking with Jesus. He was the one that walked out on the water. He was the one that tried to cut the soldiers' heads off. He was that guy who just followed passionately. And somehow that ended up him being the voice that would say, what you're looking for is in you already. And it's it's incredible. It's so true. It's so true. We 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 have uh, we suddenly have that uh, ability inside us. Uh, it just do we draw from it? You know, do we draw from it? Do we uh, uh, do we seek it? You know, and um, and I think certainly uh, as as in in my Christian faith and my path. Uh, in, in studying the Bible, in prayer, uh, it helps you to be able to draw out and seek uh, uh, what are the uh, what, is, what are those abilities? You know, what are those uh, you know uh, divine natures and abilities that that you have uh, in in order for you to to use uh, mm. in your life? So, yeah, that that's definitely. I really like that, David, because it, it, you're talking about, you know, when you talked about your children discovering those things that everything is from God and the people who like art, the people who like 
construction, the people who want the sports players, drivers, jockeys, investment bankers, the, the strategist numbers, color, all that stuff, it's, it's innate. And so they're all reflections of who God is. I really appreciate what you said about the gospel and Jesus on the cross, um, that that unleashes us that back to our hands being tied, that that act unties our hands, it gives us freedom to become those things that are within us based in God's nature. And I think, you know, I think a lot of times, when we talk about that, it feels like a a magical formula. Um, And there's a lot of different ways some people believe that like, he, that Jesus took the punishment from God. I believe that Jesus demonstrated you, that characteristic of generosity that says, I'm committed to you no matter what. And so Jesus being on that cross was a, this demonstration of unconditional love that allows people to believe in themselves. It allows you to believe in the divine power within you. It, it allows you that, that imagination for that knowledge. So I, I think that that's important and I think it's powerful because it, it, it does unleash us and it reminds us that our hands are capable. Or it gives us the ability to start to dream and to imagine in ways maybe we haven't to imagine healing, reconciliation, things like that. So, you know, I you know, Mark, I, I had another thought, too, that, yeah, that I on. thought would be uh, uh, quite. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I felt led by. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit with this thought. So I want to share, uh, mm-hmm. just make sure I'm uh, uh, connected there. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of um, a lot of people think being a Christian is a disadvantage. You know, mm. being a Christian is a disadvantage. You can't do this, you can't do that. But actually, I see it a different way. If you're, if you, you first you become a Christian, um, you know, you start to, to understand what God wants you to to be, and and to live that way because which is actually good for you. It's not that it's it's not living an, other than that. It's not necessarily good for you. That's the devil's lie to tell you that, but it's not mm-hmm. really living the way God wants you. It's it's better for you. But I think if and when you do that, when you do live the way God wants you to do, and also the integrity piece, and he, you know He wants you to work hard. That's also part of it. He wants you know we're supposed to work hard, integrity, use the gifts. Uh, love people, you know, and, 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 you know, commune with God and ask him and pray to him and take his lead. That's all the stuff that is a part of the Christian faith. And I, I believe if you do that, the Lord will bless you because you are following his, um, his lead on how he wants you to live. He will bless you. You know, uh, uh, I think it's a better formula to be, to, to be blessed by him than not. Yes, you can say, well, some people are not Christian and they they have a lot of stuff or whatever. Okay, I I don't know there's a, what the reason for that is. And I'm sure there's God has a reason, but I do know that if you become Christian, I think the chances are good that he'll bless you in a number of ways. Not always the way you think, but that he will if you live uh, that life. Okay. Just not, you know, but not living in just rolling a dice of what it is, you know. Okay. Here we we have a form that the Lord is pleased if you live the way He wants you to live, and He will bless you. He mm-hmm. said that. Mm-hmm. So, I I think it's not a disadvantage; it's actually an advantage. Uh, and so I don't know. Just I just want to give that per, that that perspective that may be different than than what people are thinking. Yeah, I so appreciate that, David. And and I think about that blessing piece, the Jewish way that they thought about blessing was that it wasn't about the stuff. It was that God is with you. God was with us in the desert. God was with us in our exile, was with us when we were at the internment camp. God was with us. God kept us. And every night when I pray for my daughters, I, I translate that blessing of God is with you. God is ahead of you. God is behind you. Mm-hmm. In recovery groups, they say, you, you do you commit your life to uh, the one who kept you from the full consequences of your of your addictions in the past? And this is that blessing of the God who keeps you, who has kept you, who is ahead of you. And I think about that. And that is when I think about Mary and, and Christmas and her song about God is based on the nature of who God is. It is just it is just like God to do that. So God is with us and ahead of us. But our experience of that is limited to how are we following. So I won't experience 
God with me or behind me or ahead of me, guarding me, empowering me, um, that divine spark within me, giving me truth, inspiring. If I'm not following that path. And I think a lot of times we want to like follow our own path and also experience a sense of God being with us, that blessing. And then we're, we're on a different path and trajectory for that. Yeah. 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 I'm suggesting we should, be on the same path is just better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm with you. Yeah. David, thank you so much for your time. I mean, what an incredible conversation. I think about the you so generously shared your story. And I'll be thinking about your great grandfather, your grandfather, your father, and you. And we we talked through that story and we talked about Ferraris and how you got into that. But I think about alignment will be a word that stands out to me. Those five core principles, alignment. Um, integration, how do we integrate our faith to a real walking the path of Jesus, where we experience the blessing that is in that path. Um, not that we earn it, we follow that way in that path. And that's really, I just really appreciate that, David. Thanks for your time. Those of you who are listening, remember, um, we celebrate David's story and all the intricacies of that, because David is just like us, a complicated human being with a story and your story matters and it, it, it changes how we see the whole world. And we want to celebrate your story. And just like when we spend a couple minutes in the scriptures together, I get to see it through David's eyes and he gets to see it through mine. It's super important. And in that way, we'll end otherness together. So just remember, you are loved and we are family. That's just the way it is. Much love, family. Peace. God bless. Peace. We are-